0: Let's turn to our Bibles, please, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me... Hath seen the Father? And how sayest thou then? Show us the Father. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, But the Father that dwelleth in me, he that he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, Or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, The works that I do shall he do also, And greater works than these shall he do, Because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, That will I do, That the Father may be glorified in the Son, if ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. Amen. May the Lord bless this reading of his word to your heart today. All right. Let's unite in prayer. and We'll ask the Lord to help us as we come to our message this morning. Father, we thank thee and praise thee for these hymns of the faith that remind us of the faithfulness of God of that constant love of the Savior. And I pray that as we read and meditate on your word together, that you will burn into our hearts these great gospel truths. Bless the boys and girls that are here today. We thank thee for them. We thank thee for the gift of life. We thank thee for the zeal of learning in youth. Grant, Lord, that these children and young people will learn the gospel, the good news that Jesus saves, that they will be brought to a living, personal faith in the Son of God, that you will grant household salvation when mother, father, and each boy and girl will not only say that they are in uh, a christian home but that they are in christ and that they are safe in the ark we ask o lord that you will by your spirit work today and give help in this pulpit lord i need thee draw near to my heart fill me now by your spirit and enable us to speak well of our savior we ask in his name we pray Amen. Amen. John chapter 14 is our preaching passage here today, and I have been moved by the Lord, I believe, to come uh, to these verses that we read together, and I trust that God will use them in every one of our hearts. In these early verses of John chapter 14, you can write over them, Christ is the answer. To believe in God is not enough. Uh, the Lord Jesus said it, You believe in God, believe also in me. You believe in heaven, that place of many mansions, but that's not enough. Believe also in me, the Lord said, because I go to prepare a place Before you. And that means, of course, that by his death, the Lord Jesus has purchased the right to lead every believer right into heaven, a place that is already prepared. When God first made man, Adam and Eve, he put them into a perfect garden. It was already created, it was the sixth day of creation. Everything around them was perfectly designed just for them. It was that earthly paradise and God met with them in that very place. Now much later when God brought his people Israel out of Egypt, he also brought them into a promised land that was prepared for them. A place of plenty, milk and honey A place with wells that were already dug and cities that were built, vineyards that were planted. It was all theirs for their possession. And here now, the Lord says to his people, I go to prepare a place for you. And we are looking forward to that marvelous home in heaven. Do you want a ready-made home in heaven. Well here is the marvelous marvelous promise right before us. Now <clears throat> the Lord Jesus himself will personally prepare it. He will not merely send his angels, and he will personally return to gather us into that home. Now he will use the angels to gather from the four corners of the earth his elect But the Lord will personally come in the brightness of his glory, and he shall appear. And Thomas asked, how can we know the way? And of course, that is the big question. And Christ is the answer. And here is the simplicity of the gospel. It is the all-time great answer to any inquiring soul who would be free from sin and go to heaven. Christ is the answer. Jesus said it, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Do you want to know the Father? Then you must firstly know the Son. If you look at verse 7, if ye had known me, Ye should have known my Father also. And this fact is set out as a remedy for troubled hearts. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, of course, you must remember that this was the night when our Lord would be arrested. This was that final night before his crucifixion. The Lord had already explained to them that he must leave and ascend to his father and would one day return. And so these verses are all the marvelous promises and reassurances that were given to his people. And their hearts were troubled. They did not know all the answers. They did not know how this would pan out. We know so much more today than they knew because the Lord was yet to go to the cross. He was yet to rise from the dead. And yet to ascend to the Father, these things have not fully sunk in. I hope they have in your heart. And when the Lord says, Let not your heart be troubled, that you can fill your heart with these wonderful truths. So, here in this verse 6, one of the best known, well quoted, well prayed texts in all of the Bible, we have a great map for the gospel. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now, I have learned from Mr. Spurgeon that a preacher should never give up preaching the well-known things in the Bible. Some preachers get the idea that when you come to a congregation, you have to get something weird, obscure, something that is even fanciful, and something that might be strange. Well, today we're going to be on familiar ground, and we're going to feast upon this map that we find here in this verse 6. Now, firstly, this text addresses the distance between man and God, because the Lord says, I am the way. And if there is a distance between our soul and the God of heaven, well, the Lord is that way back to the Father. Now, going back to the Garden of Eden, and again, preachers keep doing this all the time, because that's the model. That's the way it should have been. That's what God created and intended for His people, that they would live in that wonderful, wonderful garden of life and of joy, and of course, communion with God. And what happened through sin? Do you know what happened through sin? Division came. Adam and Eve were driven out of that garden. There were cherubims, angels, uh, ablaze that were put outside the gate of the garden to keep anyone from entering and returning. And so there was banishment to Adam and Eve. And through sin Adam lost everything. He lost his position. He lost his fellowship with God. He lost his eyesight. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Because when he fell in the Garden of Eden, he lost the knowledge of God. He was like a blind man with no spectacles, searching, feeling around. How can I find God? He could not find God when he was troubled by sin in his heart. Now, false religion has always got this charade of man finding God. That's what false religion is all about. Man trying to find God his own way. And here comes the Lord Jesus, and he says it very clearly, very simply, I am the way. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And so, this way to the Father is not in rules, it's not in regulations, it's not in man-made religion, but through faith in the Lord Jesus trusting that he is the savior whom the father sent to open up a roadway to make it possible for you to return to god and he provided salvation by the way of the cross and now you have to let that sink in when jesus was appointed to be the way to the Father, Jesus had to die on that cross. One of the most effective gospel tracts that I have read is a scene, a picture, a drawing of a chasm, this gulf that is between two mountains. And here comes a traveler trying to find the way across. And what is the way across? The cross. The cross of the Lord Jesus that has spanned the gulf between the way of the sinner and the heart of God. And if you can only understand that at Calvary, when the Lord Jesus died on that cross, that he who had his arms outstretched He was that bridge between the way of sin and the way of life. And if you will be saved, you must come the way of the cross, the way of Calvary. You must enter into the blood that Jesus shed for you, pleading that blood as your way back to God. Now, many religionists speak of their journey of faith. That, if I may put it very plainly, is all hogwash. We are not on a journey today. We are a people who have found the way. We have discovered God's way. And God has appointed his son to be the savior of the world And when you are a Christian believer in the Lord Jesus, you are in Christ. You are finding your refuge in him and all the work that he has accomplished on that cross for us. And when the Lord Jesus quoted these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, we say, Jesus said it, I believe it, And I'm going to claim it. And that's what a Christian is. One who has come to accept the way. The way of the cross. The way by the Son to the Father. And so as we learn here, this text addresses the distance between man and God. And if you are a sinner here today, unsaved, unconverted you know that there is a great distance between your soul and God. That's why you don't pray. That's why you don't come to church easily. That's why spiritual things are so hard, because there is this distance. And therefore, you need to be reconciled, and you need to come by the way of the cross. Now, secondly, this text addresses the darkness between man and God. And I take that from the little statement, Jesus saying, I am the truth. Now, when Jesus says that he is the truth, he also means that he's the light of the world. And Jesus came into this world to bring the knowledge of the Father, who, of course, is the truth. Now, in that Garden of Eden, as I alluded to already, Adam lost the knowledge of God. He became a fugitive, and he was running. He was departing. And men say that you can never know absolute truth. That's the world we live in today. If you go to a secular college or university, that's what they'll teach you. They will say that truth is all relative. And what you have as truth may not be the same as another person that has truth. And this has infiltrated even into Christian ministry, where the Bible is no longer taken as the final revelation of God. Now, it is true among men and in the scientific community uh, that they work on a hypothesis and they say, well, this is what we are postulating, and therefore, this is what we expect. And that's as far as many can go. But when God has spoken in his word, by revelation, it is the final word of God. Now God has given us his written word, but also his Son, the living word. And he has come to reveal the Father unto us. And in him is truth. I am the way. The truth. Now back to my statement. In this world, people say that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Uh, just a week ago, there a man died called J. C. Whitcomb, and um, he co-authored a book, The Genesis Flood, which was one of the first major treati- treatises on the creation of the world, a young earth. He was a man who stood for God and has marvelously laid out so many of what is really contained in the Bible, the six-day creation, the young earth, the the rocks, the geology, the time frame, uh, dating mechanisms and so on, and has presented and Uh, given a wonderful work that is a great help uh, to Christian people. Now in that book one of the things that you learn right off is that there are fixed laws. Laws that do not change. For example, Cape Canaveral sends up a space shuttle. How can they do that? Because there are fixed laws of earth and space. One of them is gravity. You can't ignore the law of gravity. It works all the time. And according to the mass of the object, you need certain energy to propel it. And of course, to bring it back into the uh, Earth's orbit again, you have to prepare for that according to those laws of science. And that's the world we live in. It's a world of fixed laws of science. And there is also fixed truth. But when sin came into the hearts of men, they lost that knowledge of God. We are blinded by sin. Will you turn to Ephesians 4, verse 17, through to verse 19. Ephesians 4:17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now, Gentiles are unbelievers. They are pagans. They are ungodly. And their mind is filled with vanity. Vanity simply means things that are empty. They are not based on fact. They do not fulfill. But that's how ungodly men live. And in the most cultured, the most civilized society, vanity still reigns. Why is that? Why in all the education, learning, and and, uh, advantages that modern man enjoys, why does he walk in the vanity of his mind? Verse 18 answers that. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. And there is that distance again. There is that estrangement from God. And so apart and outside of God, a man walks in the vanity of his mind, and he is darkened. And so for this reason... The Lord Jesus sent his Son into the world, and he being the light of the world, he gives us the knowledge of the true God. That's why we read there in John 14 and verse 7, uh, that he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. What a wonderful truth. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. God sent his own Son to reveal the Father. Now could you imagine if you were on, maybe on a vacation, a bit like what Beulah and I have been doing here at the manse. We're just there for a short time, and we don't know the neighbors. We don't know the neighbors at all. So imagine you move into a house, and You never see the owner of the house. You never see an adult, but you see a boy. And the boy comes and goes, and he plays, and he works, and whatever else he does. But you have no clue of the father in the home. All you know of the parent is in the boy, in the son. And so you watch his behavior and his manners his knowledge, and you make your estimate of the character of the parent on that. You study the son, every movement, every attitude, and maybe you begin to ask questions just as they did with the Lord Jesus. And they said, Show us the Father. And Jesus said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And that Is the basis of our knowledge. Now, Arthur W. Pink, in this uh, passage, he said, The true knowledge of God cannot be obtained but by the true knowledge of the Son. And if the Son be really known, then the Father will be known also. The Father is known just so far as the Son is known. No Father. And so the the truth is, everything that God wants us to know about Him, He has revealed in His Son. Everything that is necessary for our faith, our salvation, our walk, our communion with God in this world... God has already revealed it through his son. Jesus is the truth. And so Christians study, they imitate, they keep their eyes on the Lord Jesus. And when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's the course that we take and we're not groping in the dark. We're not taking a leap of blind faith. We are keeping our eyes on the Savior, for he is the truth, the express image of the Father. Let me ask you now, in your Christian life, are you looking unto Jesus? Are you keeping your eyes and your focus continually upon him? And leaving, weaning yourself off the vanities of this world. That is the call of every Christian. And boys and girls, I would say to you very directly that this now becomes your life. This is how you will become a Christian. This is how you will be saved. And this is how you will live the Christian life. By looking unto Jesus. He is the truth. And if he said it, believe it. Claim it. And live it by the grace of God that he gives unto you. Now, there's another one here. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And then he said, I am the life. The life. This text addresses the sentence of death between man and God. Now, back in the Garden of Eden again. What happened when sin came in? Death. Yes, the wages of sin is death. And in this world all around us, death stalks. The world is trembling at this moment on the coronavirus. Hundreds and hundreds of people have contracted this virus. Hundreds have died. And it's spreading. And uh, every organization possible is trying to find a way to contain this, that it doesn't spread further and further. But in a world of international travel, it's a very difficult thing to contain such a virus. Now, you might ask, what is a virus? And one of the frustrating things when you go to a doctor these days and you tell them I've got a cold, a flu, a bug or whatever, and a fever attending, and uh, very often they'll just dismiss you and say, you've just got a virus, and it'll have to run its course. Well, if it's a coronavirus and it runs its course, uh, there's only one end. And so viruses are very peculiar and very weird things anthropologists who dig into the earth to find dead things and sometimes living things they go down into the rock and they core into it sometimes into the tundra and they find not only uh, bones and skeletons but they also find bacteria and viruses and in various parts of rock and tundra there are weird unknown viruses lurking and it is a truth that death is in the very earth itself it is impossible for man to flee from death death is the sentence it is the curse that is upon the earth now something else happened to Adam. He not only was under the sentence of death and that curse bodily and physically, but he became dead to God. Something died in Adam. His interest in God died. His desire for God died. And he wanted to run. He wanted to hide from God and Adam became interested in himself his pride made his ego as big as Manhattan he was self-interested he was self-focused it's all about me and so instead of now worshiping and serving God and enjoying God he fled and ran to do his own thing And to live his own way. And therein lies spiritual death. To love yourself. To love pleasure. To love worldly things rather than God. That is to be spiritually dead. We say of a person who will not read their Bible and pray that they're spiritually dead. They have no interest in it. If a person's God is is money, that's all they live for and they follow after. Then we say about that person, he's spiritually dead. His God is this world. When the prodigal son returned home to his father and said, the father said, this my son was dead, but is alive. And that drawing power that brought him back to his father's home, That was now the the new life at work. He was dead, was lost, but now is alive. And that's what is needed in your heart. You need new life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And of course, it's like the power being off or on. And of course, we say about the switch, It's dead. When the power doesn't flow anymore, it's dead. And when man is without God, without fellowship with God, he is dead. I want to tell you a story told by Harry Ironside. It fits the the message very well. Bishop John Taylor Smith was a chaplain in the British Army. And he was preaching in a very large cathedral in England. On the text, ye must be born again. And he said, my dear people, do not substitute anything for the new birth. You may be member of a church, but church membership is not the new birth. And he went on to say, you may be as the archdeacon. And he pointed out to him where he was seated in his little box in the church right there before him. And he said, you may... Uh, be as the archdeacon and not be born again well a couple of days later that archdeacon came to Bishop Taylor and he said to him you have found me out I'm not born again and of course he was many things he was well he was way up there in the Anglican church he professed many things but his heart was dead He was not alive to God. And of course it is the person of Christ. It is this living faith in the living Lord Jesus. That brings us into this new life. New life in Christ Jesus. And so I plead with you today. Give your heart. Trust him. Make sure you are united by faith. To the son of God who says. I am the way the truth, and the life. Now, there's a fourth part here. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If I was in the insurance business, I would cover the, call this the cover-all statement. You know that fine print where they make a statement, and say, well, this is uh, laws that are conditioned upon but not limited to, one of those statements. Well, here is the Lord making it abundantly clear. If you didn't get it in the first three statements, no man cometh to the Father but by me. There is no other mediator. You need to tell that to every pagan religion. And you need to tell that to every non-evangelical Christian. There is no other way to the Father. And of course there are those who make mediators out of saints, out of Mary, out of popes, out of religious figures of all kinds. But Jesus said it, no man cometh to the Father but by me. And so by this text alone, you can settle your eternal destiny. You can know you are going to heaven. Are you trusting in Jesus only? Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Jesus said, believe also in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. By this text alone, you must be a Christian. There's a must in it. There's no other way, no other life to be found outside of the Lord Jesus. And let me say by this text... You must be a Protestant. You might say, well, is that not a bit much? You have to be a Protestant to go to heaven? There's only Protestants in heaven? Well, I'm simply making the point. Those who believe what Christ taught, there's no other mediator. No other figure added on whatsoever. Now, I would never say you have to be a free Presbyterian to get into heaven. There are many people in heaven that are not free Presbyterians. There are many in heaven that are evangelicals one way or another. But they must all come by Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. And they must know that there is no other way to the Father. And so I leave you this text here today. I trust it will be a a word to your heart to reassure believers. But I'm praying for boys and girls. And I'm praying for any unconverted. That this will become your text and your hope. And on this you will pray and ask the Lord to be your Savior. Will you do that today? Will you come by faith to the Lord Jesus? Will you enter in? This is the only way. And we have to take this stand before a very critical world because they say this is so narrow. This is so exclusive. But that's Christianity. That's the gospel. And Jesus said, many are on the broad road to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it I trust today that you will enter in and be saved by the grace of God Lord we thank thee for coming into this world to reveal the Father coming to open a way back to God from the ways of sin, coming to give life to lost, darkened sinners, coming, Lord, to be the true way, the only way to the Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you, Lord, for taking my place on that cross. Thank you for your precious blood that cancels every debt of sin. Thank you for the new life by the Holy Ghost Dwelling in our hearts, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you for a heaven that is already prepared and your coming again to receive us unto yourself. Oh Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the blessings that are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Now dismiss us with your blessing. Be with us throughout this, the Lord's day. Bring us again in the evening in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you redeemed now and evermore. Amen. <clears throat> Amen.